Okay, welcome to uh, episode, I'm not sure what episode this is, of A Funny Story About Money. Um, I, I think it's 15. I, I don't even know how to start this episode because I'm actually kind of nervous about it because it's the first time that I've actually got to inter- or interview like a real life celebrity. Um, and so it's going to be awkward as hell. And one of the things that's uh, that's been great about me being a mediocre comedian in Edmonton is that it's put me in front of like some really interesting people, and I actually get to meet some people that are like, you know, you were like moderately funny at that show, and then they actually get to know me afterwards. So I'm really lucky to be sitting in the basement of an ex Edmonton Oiler that. I shouldn't be here. I'm not allowed in Oilers' houses, actually, because I'm like a serious fanboy. I'm just kidding. I, but I probably shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's really cool because it's 18 years, basically, to the day that uh, a story every Canadian will remember with the scandal at the Salt Lake City Olympics and uh, getting a gold medal. So welcome, Jamie Soleil, to the Thank program. You. Thank you. Uh, that's about all I have now. I'm just nervous. Perfect. Well, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that we're going to take pictures of you in the office with all of Craig's memorabilia. Oh, okay. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. And I'd like a picture of that medal that we talked about. Done talked and about. done. Perfect. Yeah. You're going to be, like, bathing in it. Right, all, I know it'll be way too weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did get in another Oilers house one time. That was, but I got kicked out. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see what happens within the hour. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to. Maybe just tell tell me a little bit about yourself that isn't like the public, you know, persona that everybody sort of knows, and then we'll go back and talk about your story. You want to hear about things that people don't know. Well, that um, well, you walked in my house and I said to you right away uh, that we are normal people in this home and we, we have stuff everywhere. We have kids. This is not a show home. Um, that is one thing. It's funny. Like People always have this perception that because I'm a gold medalist and Craig's Stanley Cup champion that, you know, that we would have this like perfect home and a nanny and all these things mm-hmm. to show perfection and i'm like oh my god we couldn't be more opposite um so we're this is just my home and we're pretty real people and i think people in general get that vibe from me i'm right. i'm very just real with people and uh, this is what you get and um so if you don't know that that's uh that's something that i feel proud of because I think I relate to a lot of people I'm I'm very vulnerable at times I like sharing my my stories and I get really raw about things sometimes and I've mm-hmm. cried with my clients even on the phone to- talking about our stories and so I love connecting with people and I always have since I was a little girl I've always mm-hmm. loved one-on-one conversations I've never been shy with doing interviews I've never um, said no to appearances well, I'm yeah, you able. said yes to me, and you're like, who the hell are you? <laughs> I thought you were paying me a ton of money. That's right. And I'm, and I'm now disappointed, so I'm just going to, no, I'm just right. kidding. 
Yeah, well, I no, I've well, I enjoyed listening to you at Jason Strebick's roast. I thought you were hilarious, and so when you emailed me to do a a podcast with you, I'm like, yes, because I love humor, and I just want to support you as well. So this is super fun. Much appreciated, and I'm happy to be talking, hearing your story. It's been fun, so fun doing this, and I mean, you have a story that who doesn't want to hear a little bit more about it. Well, there's, maybe a, there's, a few, there's a few things in, in, in my uh, along my journey that are maybe shocking to people, but I think in general, um, you know, I, I, I had a post out the other day about my 18-year anniversary of our gold medal skates and the whole scandal and getting a gold medal six days later, and people were just like, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't even understand what it takes to get there. And I said, yeah, I actually think people do know how hard it is because otherwise everybody would do it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think even at any point in someone's life, you've you've gone for something and then often what happens for people when they don't execute is they realize like, this is hard. Right. It's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired and I don't think I can keep going. I just heard that the other day from my girlfriend. She's organizing an event and she's like, I'm on a roll and all of a sudden I wake up one day and I just feel like I don't know how I'm gonna execute this. So I almost quit and I said, but you didn't, right? And she's like, no. And then I just realized that if I keep moving, mm-hmm. keep taking action, it's all gonna work out. And that's really, really what we did right you know and obviously that's cold notes but that's the secret to success for anybody is really not quitting mm-hmm. there is no easy path to get no. to the top or to be successful or to accomplish a dream or a goal there's no easy way right. uh, we never had a red carpet laid out for us ever but um yeah I, I think people do know what it takes they just people often sit in comfort zones right and so as soon as they have to feel a little uncomfortable then they pull away from that goal or dream and go that's no I don't want to go there I don't want to do that and then their brain and their mind starts telling them that that's not what they want to do instead of going yes it is what I want to do and I gotta I gotta push through this comfort zone right and that's that was my whole life there was so much of my upbringing and my skating and my family life and so much of it was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. right but it was just a matter of sticking to my goals and like we talked about when you first got here it was really fight or flight mode for me maybe even a little bit of survival and just really wanting to show people that I am gonna be a champion one day and I struggled a lot as a kid and um, I felt like that was my outlet right Right? so I had struggle Mm -hmm. and so skating was my outlet so that's really what I had always in the fire in my belly to be a champion one day and everybody laughed at me and said oh that's not possible like you're from Red Deer you're from a divorced family your mom has no money like the list goes on of all the conditions of why I shouldn't have been a champion Mm -hmm. but I wanted it so badly and it was like I would do whatever it took right to to be a champion and you never know if you're gonna be There's, there's no guarantees of course but you just keep going. Cool. I just got chills because you were like, I want to be a champion and you could see it. Like, most people don't have it, right? Like, to be honest. Well, I think everybody's got the ability. To do something great, but, but not like world champion is not. <laughs> In figure skating. Right. Right. It's or like Olympic yeah. champion just isn't possible for everybody everybody can have their own success story yes i agree i would believe that a hundred percent but most people are too afraid 
of the failure, I think, so they don't try. So you can say, well, I never tried, so I never failed. Exactly. But you actually failed because you didn't. Bingo. And that's exactly what, so. you know, I, I lived it and now I'm coaching that is, mm -hmm. is that language of, you know, if, if you really want something bad enough, you're going to be willing to fail a hundred times. You right. know, Thomas Edison, even with the light bulb, with electricity, he failed 10,000 times before we got light. Mm -hmm. And so I think about my career and how many times I fell on my jumps before I la actually la started landing them. Right. Oh my gosh. It's like terrible, actually. I think in some ways, like I can't even imagine watching my, my children go through that. But totally. that's just yeah. what I had to do, right? Well, yeah, I've landed the, like one flip on a wakeboard once and I've crashed a thousand times exactly. to do it. Yeah. And like, but just that one time yeah. was, you know. But a feeling is uncomfortable, and then the ego kicks in, right? Right. The ego kicks in and goes, "No, you're embarrassed. I don't want." It'll tell you like, "I'm here to, I'm here to keep you safe. I'm here to make sure you don't embarrass yourself." So it, it'll try to tell you to go the other way again. Mm -hmm. Don't keep going in that direction because what if you fail again? Right. Well, I'll tell you what. We all failed as babies when mm -hmm. we were learning to walk, mm -hmm. right? And we took one step and we fell. And we got up and we kept going. We tried to take a few more steps and then we kept falling. Like we fell and we fell and we fell. Never once when we were kids learning or babies learning to walk did we say, well, that's it. I guess I'm not meant yeah. for walking. Well, I did. Right? My mom said. But, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I did. When you, were, when you were one, you said, I am not meant to walk. Right. I just got carried around until I was seven. That's called lazy. <laughs> that's just smart smart conserving yeah. energy actually yeah that's yeah. that is funny <laughs> yeah. but yeah something happens to us when we become adults you know we stop giving ourselves permission to fall down and then we don't ever go for what we really want in life and that's it's sad yeah it is sad right? i yeah. agree yeah and we kind of discussed it and so I, I don't know how to segue here what we kind of discussed your drive when when you were young was like proving people wrong and and anger mm -hmm. and, and I said this sort of my drive to do what I'm doing now was based off of anger which I no longer have mm -hmm. but uh, it did force me to get out of my comfort zone which was a good thing yeah. because it was like I'm so mad that I do have to prove everybody wrong that I can do this my own way which otherwise I would have just stayed in this like comfort bubble and been unhappy and and whatever so but now you're not like that and and you're jamie soleil life coach and i can understand why that's a good career for you just talking to you for the last 25 minutes so i guess can we go back to figure skating and then move forward to how you decided how to happened. do this yeah and, and what that business is like for sure do it so you start figure skating when you're three I don't pretty much <laughs> pretty much pretty much I have a photo um, we just filmed a documentary that's gonna be airing this summer um, it's a sports series and it's about like controversy and so they had to ask us for a bunch of photos and videos of us and I pulled out this picture I haven't seen in years of me skating and it's hilarious I, I grew up in Red Deer we had outdoor rink right by our house and uh, I loved skating because my dad and my brother played hockey 
and this rink is literally has grass you can see the grass like sporadic around coming through the the ice because it's starting mm. to melt but i'm out there at two and a half years old in my snowsuit like a little mm. a bonneville kid you know like just super puffy but i'm out there like with my skates on just and there's a picture of me wiping out there's a picture of me like smiling from ear to ear and it's just super funny to see how you know there was just this love for it even as a kid right like a little kid two and a half years old and obviously it took a while for me to get into this uh the skate canada program the learn to skate program but it was really because my neighbor was taking figure skating mm-hmm. and uh so i said i want to do what she's doing and so then Next thing I knew, I was in Canskate, and it was between the ages of five and seven. It took two years to complete that program. And then um, the coach said to my mom, Jamie's progressing in, into private lessons, but I was also in gymnastics at the time. So, which I passed all those le- levels as well to go to the next stage. So she said, you have to choose because they both want you full time. And I said, when we were at the gym, I said, I, I want to skate. And she said, well, we can wait till we get home to decide and talk more about it with your dad or whatever. And I said, no, I want to skate. Hmm. Why? I don't really know. At that time, I think kids have an incredible intuition that they really hone in on. And they just, like I look at my kids even now and they don't hesitate the way we do because we live, we make decisions often based on our conditions and our circumstances mm-hmm. and they don't. Right. They, they make decisions based on what they would love only because kids have a really rich imagination and they know what they love they know what 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 makes them tick they know just what they love to do Mm -hmm. and i think that's what happened for me you know i loved gymnastics but i loved figure skating more and so i made that decision at seven years old and i never looked back so you were obviously like a natural athlete you had skills at seven that at five to seven that they already saw like I think what I had that maybe separated me from some of my, um, you know, skating buddies was that I would get on the ice and I loved showing off. So I loved performing. And I think if you ask my mom, she would say Jamie was performing in our living room since she was born. Um, I was always doing some kind of performance, lip syncing or, you know, some kind of, I'd make up a dance routine or something. And so when I got on the ice, it was a way for me to sort of dance on the ice and show off, like watch me. And I used to tug on my coach's jacket and say, watch me, watch me, watch me. And she still says that, like, I'll never forget Jamie and you, you know, you were always the little bugger that would come up to me and like, you just Mm. craved attention. Right. And so clearly there was that, you know, that love and passion for the performance side of figure skating. I don't know if I was so much gifted in the technical side of things right away. I think it took a few years to sort of progress, but I knew when I when I started competing at a very young age, I didn't always win, but I often was on the podium. And mm-hmm. so that's where, or I would beat girls that were, um, you know, a couple years older than me, or like some of the photos, again, that I went through recently are hilarious. I'm on first, the podium, and the girl on third is the same height as I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're just right. way taller or way older, not way older, but just a couple of years older or whatever. So, but it's at the time I didn't think much of that. I was just yeah. doing what I loved and obviously reflecting and looking back at that, I go, well, clearly I was doing things right and doing it well, but um, my mom had no idea what I was getting myself into. And um, my coach had to keep telling her, well, now the next stage is, is provincials. We're going to go to provincials now. And then the next stage is like, Western Canada and then the next one is nationals and so my mom just kind of 
went along with the like on the ride like she didn't have a clue she wasn't an athlete mm-hmm. and she'd never been a part of figure skating so that's maybe a bonus for me as the athlete um she was always just my mom right. she wasn't my coach she was my mental coach she was always very positive with me and 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 encouraged me when i would fall or have a bad day or a bad month you know like that not to quit and believe in myself and she always reinforced the positive affirmations, but um, she was never like, okay, you know, you got to push. And like, I see a lot of that in sport and even just life today with parents. It's like they, it's, they have their identities through their children's success. And I, I, I didn't have that as a child. So I'm super grateful to have had a mom that sat back and just supported me from afar and said, I'm here to lift you up but you're, you're on your own to like figure this out. So mm. she taught me how to fish in other ways, right? Like we say that about teaching them instead of doing the fishing for them. My mom was so good at that. Right. Really good at that. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really grateful because I think I learned a lot of life skills that way. For really sure. positive ones that have helped me as an adult and now as a parent. It's interesting because so did you have like a, anybody that was like a tough, coach push for you Mm-mm, nobody really pushed me at all like you didn't have to tell me to get on the ice you didn't have to tell me the only thing that sucked for me was we had twice a week um i had to skate at 6 a.m till 8 a.m 8 a.m and then go to school and i remember those mornings being like because i am not a morning person I, i'm still not mm-hmm. i don't love waking up early so and my friends all laugh at me because i'll be on vacation i'll sleep till 10 but it's just the way why are you waking up so early well everybody's up at like seven i'm like oh that's ridiculous not for me right yeah me either so five five fifteen wake-ups were not awesome Mm -hmm. but uh but for the rest like i was pumped after school to get to the rink um weekends like anytime i had to skate i was like you don't have to tell me to be on time or right you know it was just like i couldn't wait i was always the first one on the ice and um last one off and you think of like even the hockey players that we see now, even with the Oilers, you know, you see certain players that spend extra time doing a certain drill on the ice. Like I've seen a hockey player shoot pucks through the, where the referees talk to the, the guys that are doing the announcing and they give them the, whether it's a penalty, the name of the player or whatever, or they're giving the score who scored, right? Like that little hole that's right. in the plexiglass. I've seen players shoot pucks to try to get them through that little, that little hole just because it's target right like it's like perfection perfection and Mm -hmm. over and over and over again yeah not all of them go in actually most miss most miss but you watch this or you watch little them stay on the ice and do all these little detailed exercises and that was me in skating and i would like when someone else's music was on like they were doing their routine and they had their own we all had our own music and we all had to take turns doing our routines but when someone else's music was on i would make up my own routine to their music So I was always challenging myself. I was always like, you know, out there to perform and I was always wanting to be better. Right. Well, it's funny because uh, I was just in the mountains with all my friends and, and one of my like good buddies used to play in the NHL and he was talking about like parents of hockey players because a lot of our friends' kids play hockey now. And mm-hmm. he's like... And they're all going to the show. Well, I hope I hope most don't think that, but uh, but he uh, he talked about how his dad was like pushed him and he needed it 
And, he needed it. Okay. And like, he's like, parents have to be like that. And I'm like, I don't think that that's the way. I think it's just based on what you need as your push. And so I'm glad that you said it because I didn't agree with him. But I, it's hard for me to argue and be like, well, I mean, I made the show too because my dad, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, well, and everybody's got a different story. I mean, for him and his personality, he's obviously now looking back going, if my dad wouldn't have pushed me, I wouldn't have made it there. Right. But for me personally, I can't say that's, I can't say he's wrong, but I I didn't need, I needed encouragement mm-hmm. um, when I was struggling or when I was feeling really down on myself about not progressing the way I wanted to because in my mind I always had thoughts of where I should be. So you're not always going to be there, right? So you always need the encouragement, but pushing me, I never had a mom that like said to me, you know, you have to do this and you've got to do that. Like it wasn't a thing for me. So mm-hmm. I don't even know what that feels like or what that, how I would take that. I think, um, but I also think my mom knew that it was my dream. She knew that I wanted to do it really badly. It wasn't her dream. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference there. I think with a lot of sports, um, these parents, like I said to you, it's like because maybe they didn't have their dream. They're now got this this little this child that they can now form into some kind of a champion, and they're going to do whatever it takes for them to push their kid. Um, I'm with you. I don't think it's necessary. I think I've always said to other skating moms because they'll go, "Oh, will you talk to my daughter? She's she really doesn't want to skate." And I'll say, "Well, I've got news for you. If she doesn't want to skate." don't let her skate or don't make her skate (laughs) because having a conversation with her, what I'm going to get from her is what would you love to do? And she'll Mm -hmm. tell me why I'd I'd really like to go to school. I really like to do this. And then I'm going to encourage her to do that. And the mom's going to be mad at me because I didn't force her to keep skating. She doesn't want to skate. So having a conversation with them isn't going to, isn't going to make her skate. If she like you want to do something because you really love it, Mm -hmm. especially as a kid, like adults, Again, we're more conditional, right? Based on circumstances and, and lifestyle and whatever, and even our beliefs as a child. But kids, you shouldn't have to push them no. to do something. They're going to struggle. They're going to have, like I said to you, months even where you're like, you feel like you can't keep going. You feel like you should quit. So it's encouragement. That's the word that I would use mm-hmm. more than pushing. Right. Yeah, my mom never had to pack my bag and push me out the door and tie my skates up and shove me on the ice. Well, you never would have been. No, it was it was right. positive talking. It was, it was like always going. Do you do you love this? Yes. Okay, so you're struggling right now. This isn't going to be easy. You knew that, and there was always just that kind of conversation of like, do you want to keep going? Well, I do, but I feel like I suck right now, or I feel like I can't do it. Okay, well we don't use can't, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this is just what it looks like on your journey to the top right and you have to tell yourself that because it doesn't matter what you're going to do in life it's going to you're going to have challenges right and you have bumpy roads and my mom talked about the peaks and the valleys and and so on and i used to get so annoyed with it but she was right but there was no pushing right well that's interesting yeah so we agree on that we do yeah yeah and i'm glad to hear it from you because now I can shove it in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, I would love. I'd love to hear how many athletes were actually pushed because maybe he, what he meant by being pushed was that his dad was really encouraging when he struggled. But maybe that's what it was. But no, 
No, no. He was like, if I had a bad game, like, I was terrified, like, my, you know, and he was talking about our other buddy, that his son's really good at hockey, and the mom and dad drive in different cars, because if, if he has a bad game, then the dad has to drive home by himself, because he's, like, so mad, and he's like, that's what they need, and I'm like... I don't, I don't know. I know that for me, I wouldn't have responded well to that. I would shut down. I would have, I would have quit. Me too. I, but that's me, right? Yeah. And, but I think some people, you know, that hard old school hockey coach that now, you know, are getting in trouble for like beating the players or whatever. Verbal abuse, physical yeah. abuse, all of it. But it's, I think it, it's not healthy. It, it works for some people. I don't think it works when you get older. I think what happens, it, like I think that at that time, it, again, it's survival mode. Like you and I talk about how we, how we excelled, right? And why we got where we got because we were angry or we were like um, sad. I was bullied a lot as a kid, a lot. So it was all about proving them wrong and showing them that, you know, I'm not the person they, they this person they pick on all the time. I'm like, I'm a good person. And so um, I think, but then what happened as an adult is these, this belief that I've created as a child um, and the, the things that I've, the tools that I used to get where I, I got in figure skating were great as an athlete, but they're not serving me as an adult now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's maybe what a lot of these, the guys that you're, you're talking about that had the dads like that, I think, you know, there's a reason why they say that there's like repetition from one generation to the other, right? Like it just repeats itself because, um, you got to change that the way you're doing things you got to change the way you're speaking and the way you're thinking and yeah it worked here but i think there's also some damage that's done and i bet if oh for sure right if we really got Uh, down to the nitty gritty there's a lot of damage there and Mm -hmm. as an adult i don't think it serves him probably in many ways right and if he's got children then if he doesn't break that cycle um then he's going to develop these negative beliefs as a child as well for or his children will uh, take on these negative beliefs. And then as you get older, it's like, it's damaging. I've lived it. I, I, I didn't think I had negative beliefs because I became a champion and I've had a great life. Yeah. I still have struggles, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was more about like when I would get now as an adult, when I would get excluded from something, I would be super reactive, right. Instead of sitting back and, and not responding and taking it personally. Right. Um, I get reactive and angry and I would blow up like I just had this temper and I'm going well as a kid I would put that I would channel that energy into the ice and I would just like go out there and skate hard and I would channel it very differently mm-hmm. well, I've got nowhere to put it now right except into my kids or into my husband or into my clients mm-hmm. so it doesn't work so I've really realized that I had to do so much work on clearing out that subconscious beliefs the beliefs that I had as a kid and maybe it was even that I wasn't lovable or I wasn't good enough or whatever. And so imagine what your friend feels, right? If you really asked him, if you sat down and said, like, there's got to be a belief in there that, you know, you're not good enough. Right. Or you're not lovable unless you're good. Right. Which is so damaging. Totally. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Well, my parents just never expected me to do anything. So well, like you were carried was... around till you were two. Right? No, six. Oh, six. Six. <laughs> well, shit, my kids are so heavy by the age of three. <laughs> There's no way I could have carried them. I don't. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I don't know how long it was. 
Well, yeah, so what's going to happen? I knew this was going to happen because your story is too cool and I talk too fast. So, uh, <laughs> too fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so slow I, down. I, right. I, I want to get into, I, I mean, I guess the story and, and the Olympics because I know that you want to tell that story, but I do want to talk about your coaching business yeah. because that's where everything has led to today. So, I mean, I could talk to you for five hours and I would be interested the whole time easily, but we have, uh, we, we only have a limited amount of time. So how does the Olympic dream happen? Did you were in the Olympics before you? Yeah. So 2002 was my second Olympics. I went to the 1994 Olympics in Lillehammer as a 16 year old. Were you single or were I was pairs with my first partner, and uh, we were the third Canadian team to go, so we really had no pressure. It was really just having fun. I was 16 years old. I had the time of my life. So once I experienced that, I thought, I want to go back there because my dream started when I was in grade three watching the 88 Olympics, and I saw our Canadian athletes, Liz Manley and Brian Orser and all these great skaters i was like i want to do that i wasn't into pairs then because you start out as a single skater Mm -hmm. and but i remember saying to my mom i'm gonna go there and she was like okay you know keep training kid and i went no i'm i'm gonna go there i want to i want to be on tv i want to do that so that's when it started for me so then there i was at the 94 olympics living my dream um you know experiencing it at a different kind of level because i'm not going for a podium spot and so once I came home, I remember saying like, I, I'm going back there, but next time it's going to be to go for the, the, the big, right. the big medal. Right. So, um, it took a lot of persevering and going through a lot of adversity to get there because I had, um, ended that partnership months after the Olympics. And then I ended up going back and I, I was still doing singles, uh, but competing at a lower level. So I had to continue my singles career because Finding a pairs partner is not an easy thing. So I waited for three years, which were my darkest years. And this alone can take another hour conversation, but I'm just going to tell you and and your listeners that it was the darkest time of my career, Mm -hmm. probably even my life so far, because I was just really struggling. I wasn't doing what I loved. I didn't love singles. I loved having that partner and flying around the ice and being thrown and doing all the fun stuff. So I, I, I thought it would be much easier, but I knew that if I was going to go back to the Olympics and I was going for a podium spot, well, I'm just going to say it, I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew that if I was going to, ha- I needed the best partner ever. It wasn't like just find someone. Right. You need to find a fellow champion or somebody the best. that wants someone, to win as much as you. Exactly. And someone that's determined and someone that's like, he's got the talent and uh, we had lots of male skaters in Canada and I had a couple tryouts and they were good but the one guy that I wanted to skate with who my coach thought I'd be great with had a partner at the time and that was David Pelche and I thought well that's not great like how am I gonna she's like oh you guys would be amazing together and I'm like well he's got somebody right now so anyway I had to wait until I went to nationals as a single skater and I was literally at my like I was my last straw. I was like, I'm going to do my best here, but I don't know if I can keep going. I feel like I'm just kind of putting in time now. So I went there and he ended up, 
uh, long story short, he ended up seeing me skate and thought, you know what, I need to make a decision for my life too. And if I really want to make a go at this, this is, I've got to skate with her. So that, that was actually our second time trying out after that nationals because we had tried out in 96 and it was really great, but he was advised not to skate with me being from Quebec and I'm in Alberta and logistically it just... We don't like each other. Yeah, like those Frenchies. Yeah, those Frenchies. It, for <laughs> me, it wasn't even like that. It was like someone had told him that I wasn't in, in a good enough shape or something, but I, I don't even know really what the reasoning was why they convinced him not to skate with me. There could be jealousy. There could be all kinds of things. So he so another year and a half goes by and I'm sitting there seeing him at nationals in 98 going like come on Dave like this could be incredible so it all happened we had an incredible tryout and obviously the rest is history we had four amazing years together as amateurs and did very very well and um and then we toured for 10 years after the olympics and we had an incredible pro career I mean it was we were so fortunate that we had something to make a living uh, doing a, doing what we love, making a living doing it. So that was really incredible. Um, and then, of course, we ended up separating um, after our son was uh, one years old. And uh, about a year and a half later, uh, finalized that separation and had a divorce. And so I'd been through so much at that in that period. And I, I remember going through, like, being in a major roller coaster, like, just feeling like I want to quit skating, but yet I don't want to quit skating because I do love it. And what am I going to do now? I've got this one-year-old. And so I felt like at that point when I got through all that adversity and that struggle that, you know what, I, like, I'm a survivor. And I, and I look even back at my childhood and and the same sort of things. Like, my parents were divorced and I had... A brother who struggled and I had so many other layers that were not ideal mm-hmm. you know to 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 support being a champion but somehow I always found a way right and so right. I took all these tools that I've learned over the years and I thought you know um, there's something I can do with this so I I channeled that into working with Special Olympic athletes because I love being around these athletes they're Mm -hmm. so incredible they're people with intellectual disabilities in sport and i see how they light up when they're doing what they love right and so that's what i was kind of surrounding myself with and then i remarried and had another child and about two years into or three years into our marriage i remember saying to craig like i just there's something missing i i feel really unfulfilled and it wasn't because i my marriage wasn't good or like there's anything wrong with the children or like I've got everything I've ever dreamt of and some Mm -hmm. but I'm waking up feeling kind of pissy and really like agitated right so my whole life I've only known to be positive working through things what are you gonna do like I'm on I'm an action taker so like what am I gonna do with the way I'm feeling so I hired somebody to work with me on like whether it was psychologist because I've I've had a few of those right (laughs) um a life coach I've tried everything and I realized through my therapy sessions that I'd stopped dreaming mm-hmm. and yeah my dream as a child was big it was really big right like it's hard it, to replicate a dream like doing what you did right yeah because I know now like I always tell my clients nothing's impossible but I know now it's I'm not going back to the Olympics mm-hmm. <laughs> so at this point I'm 40 years old I'm going I'm not going back to the Olympics but what can I do now um, to challenge myself. What's my next dream? So I realized that I was missing that. I had no goals. I wasn't challenging myself. And it's not about like everybody's got to have like 
I'm not saying suggesting even to your listeners like you need to now shoot for the moon and and, and what's your Olympic dream but I, I do say that to people like you you're never too old to have a dream mm-hmm. and and but it's based on one thing and that is what would I love so I, I, I sat down and I realized that I love helping people mm-hmm. um, as much as I had so much struggle over the years in my career along the way um, I was always helping people right and then I, I tapped into that again I was like oh my gosh like I had so many people reaching out to me going I remember when this happened to me you were the first one at my doorstep or when this happened you talked to my daughter and if it wasn't for you she would have quit or whatever it was and I was always going wow see I've been doing that all along mm-hmm. um, so then that's when I was I was actually at a workshop um, a vision workshop and I was sitting there and I saw this person talking on stage and I just had a big massive epiphany going like this is exactly what I'm gonna do this is what I believe I'm here to do now to share my life stories to share my tools to share my vulnerability like of all the things that I've gone through and to be relatable to people because people often put successful people on pedestals like they see them as like something bigger than life and we are just humans well you are sitting on a pedestal while we're talking but I am uh, no (laughs) I'm looking for it (laughs) but yeah like people think you know and I always go like guys like well I won't say it on here but you know like we're 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 all spiritual beings having this human experience and you know I am no different than you or anybody else listening but I had a dream and I didn't quit and so now I'm back to that and so when I got certified to be a life coach um, well, I also, I, I sort of changed my title because I feel like every fifth person I meet is a life coach today, mm-hmm. which is wonderful because I feel like we all just need to lift each other up and support each other. So yeah. whatever your title is, it doesn't really matter. But I changed mine to motivational coach because of what I did. I feel like people can really relate to that sure. going, well, of course, she's going to help motivate people, right? Because she's already mm-hmm. been at the biggest point of her career that she, she could have in that sport. but. So yeah, I started coaching um, just over two years ago and uh, like I know this is exactly what I'm totally meant to do because I, I love, again, I love connect the connection I have with my clients. Right. Um, I love the conversations. I personally love the growth that I get from my clients too. They, they mm-hmm. teach me as well. Um, I have lessons that I teach, with, teach them every week and um, we talk about a lot of different things. Uh, we share stories. It's so much fun. I'm just, I'm lit up. I get off the phone calls and I'm I'm energized like they give me that life and so I feel like you know back when I decided to do this it was it was a bit scary there's always going to be a part of you that goes like that's going to tell you why it's not convenient or why you don't need to do it because I was living a great life right right so you've got like well now I've I've had the struggle of what what's wrong with my thinking and why am I so grouchy and ir- irritated? Well, because you're not dreaming anymore. You have no goals, and all of a sudden you make these goals and you create this dream for yourself, and all of a sudden it's like, well, no, Jamie, you don't you don't need to do this. You know, it's not very convenient right now. Like I had that those thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. I call it the devil, like right. really talking to you, right? Going, no, you should just quit. You, you don't don't do you it. Don't it's too hard. To do or this. do it later. Right. Do it later when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I had all those thoughts, and I went, no, no, no. Because I know now to talk to that those thoughts. I know to talk to, to it and say, I don't really care what you think. I'm doing it anyway. Because right. I know that this is now another thing that I really, really want to do. Totally. Well, and I I just, I love it. Well, it makes tons of sense, of course, right? But, and it, but I, it's also, I must, how hard was it? Like that stretch in between being 
done skating, then like I kind of every athlete must be like the worst because you your whole life like mm-hmm. it's like, and then you're like retired at thirty five, when most people are like starting. Exactly, right? that's actually a really good point. A lot of people are just starting to succeed in their careers at that age. Yeah, that's so true. It was it was not as hard for me as as I'm as I'm understanding from other athletes like even my husband Craig is uh, you know he was forced into retirement because of his back pain that he had and you know he was the one that stood in front of the net and got hammered all the time right so he had back injury that forced him into retirement and that was hard for him like he he really feels he lost years that he like he loved what he was doing and he felt like he wanted to play for another 10 or more years whereas I made a decision uh, when we were actually just before our our wedding I called him from Korea and I just said I, I had this big feeling again I always get these like massive feelings it's an intuition a gut feeling a hunch whatever you want to call it and I, I just called him and I said I'm done like I was doing a show uh, with Dave in Korea and I'm going I I love this I love a lot of it I love my paycheck I love performing there's a lot I love mm-hmm. but I'm done traveling I'm done being leaving my son I'm done with rehearsing I just felt like I am so done and I'm ready to move on now to the next chapter of my life I didn't know what it looked like Mm -hmm. but I I made a decision to retire and I gotta tell you like I remember hanging up my skates and literally hanging them up in my garage and feeling like a like a bit of relief and not because I wasn't grateful that I had had this amazing pro career but just because I really was done Mm -hmm. and so um, yeah, so like I explained earlier, like in the beginning it was great because I was like oh, just having another baby and raising a family and I was living, that was also part of my dream as a, as a young kid was to have a family one day. And so here I am living that dream. Mm-hmm. So I was really happy and, but then it kind of crept in where I was going, I'm just, and not just because the parenting is one of the hardest jobs in the world but I'm like I felt at that time my thinking was I'm just a stay-at-home mom I got like what else am I doing you know there's nothing for me here Mm -hmm. you know and I I've never I've never gotten a lot of thrill out of spending a lot of money always shopping and going for lunches and I mean I love my girlfriends and we do do that sometimes but I just felt like that never really lit me up Mm -hmm. so um that's when I woke up one day and I said enough is enough like I I gotta I gotta figure out what's wrong with me and what was wrong was that I I didn't have those goals and I wasn't challenging myself anymore and I had no real direction right in my life of where I was going and I didn't really think that was important because I'd already accomplished such a great thing Mm -hmm. but apparently it is because your body talks to you and I I was like yeah yeah this is I gotta notice what I'm noticing here this is not healthy for me and yeah. but I didn't know right away what I wanted to do so that was a bit um, that was a bit hard on me because I thought well I'm working with this person you kind of expect things to happen quick and I want results right because I'm results driven mm-hmm. right and so I had to be really patient with myself and and just know that this is a process and it doesn't I don't have to figure it out right now but as long as I'm taking action like I always did as a kid Right. Keep taking action just keep moving um, stay positive with yourself I had a super supportive family everybody was really great about it um, but I was fortunate that I didn't have to worry about money yeah. it wasn't like I was sitting here going I gotta get I gotta 
I got to put food on the table for the kids, right? Like right. we're in a in a good situation, so that was helpful. And um, so I was uh, patient, and it didn't actually take that long. But I was so grateful that I found I found that because, again, like you say, it makes sense. Like I just, of course, like I'm gonna share my story with people because um, so many people, again, like we say this a hundred times, like they just think that. Um, you know, well, how, you asked me when you came in here today, like, well, how come I don't have that? And how can, how did she make it and I didn't or whatever? Right. Like we always have that discussion and I go, well, I've got a lot of stories to share about those times I felt the same way. For sure. Yeah. You know, I wasn't always great. I wasn't always perfect. I didn't always win. And, no. you know, I always tell people it's really simple. I was just the one that didn't quit. Well, yeah, it's so good for, and this podcast has been one of the coolest things I've ever done because it's talking to people that are doing it or have done it and how hard it was for everybody. And like, as a financial planner, I try and say like getting money, building that wealth is a game of patience Mm -hmm. and hard work and you have to try. Like people aren't rich because it was easy. It's like anything. Right. So, it, yeah. and, or, you know, you don't have this house because it was easy and you yeah. didn't work hard. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of, you know, it's, it's hard to beat into people's heads yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. If, and I need to be driven by something that excites me too. Like, but everybody thrives. You know how excited I You get, I you, am, you show right? a lot like, of excitement. Yeah. <laughs> But, but like, I th- don't you think everybody thrives when they're doing what they love? Of course. Yeah. Right? But you'll have all kinds of stories of why you can't do what you love. Well, that doesn't pay the bills or that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like there's always a story that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And so now, of course, when I work with certain clients, I'll even hear those stories. Right. This is really what I love, but I can't because. So we live in the world of, you know, the becauses. There actually are causes of why we don't do the things that we love, but it's I can't change my job because I won't get the benefits or because whatever. Um, I can't find the love of my life because I'm not thin enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not mm-hmm. whatever. It's always because, because, because. But the true cause of all of this is our thinking. Yeah. You can do anything, totally. right? And if you're really doing what you love, you'll be really freaking successful. Totally, as long as you keep pushing. And you got to be patient, like Always. you were, right? Like, yeah. and and then yes, like it's not going to happen overnight. But yes, if you're still moving towards yeah. this thing that you you love, you'll be good at it. Yeah. And you know. And I always get asked, when do I know I should be done or quit trying? And my answer to them is, well, do you love it? Yeah, I do love it. Then you don't ever quit. Right, never. Ever. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean we can't go down a different path at some point in our life, right? You might right. discover that, you know, you, you said in your vision that you want you really want to be a life coach, you really want to be a comedian, and you realize at some point, it's not that it's too hard, but something else is lighting you up. It's gotten you to a place where now I've discovered something else, and that is lighting me up. That's mm-hmm. okay, right? Because that's going to happen to people. They, they go into, um, let's say they go into law, you know, whatever education wise. And then they discover in their journey towards law that they really enjoy education. Right. <laughs> something, something happened along their journey in law school that they realized they like something else about it. 
and it took them in a different direction, that's fine because now it's lighting them up there, right? But yeah. when you actually love something, you're gonna struggle. It doesn't doesn't mean just because you love it that it's gonna be easy and you're gonna have this like, right? This this like yellow brick road journey. Mm -hmm. But it just means that you never quit. You never quit. I don't care if it takes you 20 years. You don't quit because when you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And we say that, and they go BS, right? But I think about my skating career. I didn't. It wasn't was work. work. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like actually my job right now. Is the and like I created that for myself, and I'm like, of course, this is awesome. You're like, having what fun. What the hell is this? Like, right? What the hell is? It's that? not like I'm making money doing this, <laughs> but like, this is my work for today. And it lights you up. It's awesome. Like. And you know what? Like you, you said to me when you got here, like it inspires you, mm -hmm. it motivates you, and. To me, you've tapped into something really incredible, right? You found a way to have that. Some people read books, some people go to seminars, some people, this is how you're doing it and you're you're actually really growing from this. Right, yeah, for sure. I mean, I wish I grew. <laughs> I know, I, from Vertically, talking, oh, I've, I I've grown meant, emotionally and mentally. talking to me, yes, nobody ever grows. Right? Emotionally I'm or, or five mentally. I'm 5'1", I'm 5'1", can I be taller? I guess, I mean, I guess. put on your skates. Yeah. Do you still put the skates on? I skate with the kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I had to do it. Um, I got invited to do a TV show that another one, actually, there's there's two that's going to, they're coming out. One is in October and one's the summer, but um, I had to put skates on. I'm like, oh, my skates have like mold in them. It was so crazy. I don't wear my figure skates. I'd rather put hockey skates on at this point because they're so much more comfortable. Right. And if anybody's ever worn figure skates, they're really they think they're there are competing skates so they're tight and they're uncomfortable they're not too small for me but they're really tight and my feet have swelled and they say after babies too your feet grow but i think they just get, they wider. get wider or whatever i don't yeah. know they were uncomfortable mm -hmm. like i came home and i was i was only complaining about like my stupid skates because they just felt so terrible and everyone's like well you need coaching skates i go i'm not breaking in new skates right. for the one time a year i skate so i just wear my hockey skates nice. yeah um business so uh, i mean i guess getting clients so you get out there one day and you're just like i'm a life coach I know. okay this is a really a good question coach. so this is something when we say it doesn't happen overnight um i always tell my clients to ask the universe quality questions right we ask good questions like you can say for example um how can i make more money this month than i ever have in any other month this year versus how will I ever make more money? Do you see the difference in how I framed that question? And you write it out on a piece of paper and you read that question like before bed and when you get up in the morning. When I got home from my certification, I literally wrote on a piece of paper that how, like how will I attract clients um, that um, I can serve and, and help them live the life that they would love. Two days later, I'm at the arena with my daughter and this uh, old skating colleague comes up to me and she's a mom now too. And she says to me, what are you doing? And it's a long story short, but she says, what are you doing now? And I said, actually, I just got certified to be a life coach. And she's like lit up. Oh my gosh, I'm really struggling. Can I work with you? And uh, of course the paradigm in my head was going, you are not ready. You just got certified. Oh, you don't know what you're talking sure. about. Yeah. You don't, you can't do that. And I looked at her and I said, yes, I would love to work with you. And so from that day on, I realized, because obviously it takes like something, I agree, like I, I always felt like even when I was struggling, it took like 
one thing to sort of show me, okay, you're on the right path again. Like it just, it does, right? It, you need to kind of mm -hmm. have a sign of something. So, but now I was saying to you earlier too, like I did all these things as a kid, but didn't realize I was doing it. So now I've got the, I've got the experience. Plus I've got the actual material from my certification. So I'm sitting here and I'm writing out this question and I'm getting results. I got two days later and it doesn't always happen that way. But two days later, I get this person reaching out to me. And then from that point on, it was just kind of like a domino effect. And I don't do a lot of advertisement. I don't put myself out there a lot with what I do, but it's been word of mouth and the odd little ad that I put in my Instagram or my social media stuff, but it's, uh, it's word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, and I get a lot of speaking engagements. So then from there, people will go, oh, I'd love to work with you. Or, you know, even through my children's activities or parents that will reach out to me and say, hey, you know, what, what, what do you think you could do to help me? And oh, I just love it. I just love that. It's so organic. Right. Um, yeah. I feel that the way that I'm doing this is, is just authentically me. And um, I don't know. It's a I way it. to be like the awesome part of a psychologist. Yeah, and so I've had lots of different sessions with psychologists and I've always benefited at some, you know, you, you benefit with certain things. Like I always felt like with my psychologists, I've, um, I loved being able to vent out my stuff there and, and often they would give me pretty good tools and everything, but I felt like I got the most impact when I hired my life coach mm -hmm. because my life coach didn't let me sit in the conditions that I was in the problems right right like the uh, I, the sad stuff that I was going through or whatever it was more about okay you have these conditions but they're not gonna get you the same as a kid again mm -hmm. right I had these conditions but I didn't let them get me and then it was like okay now what are you gonna do today even if it's one small thing what are you gonna do to take action so I felt like I progressed a lot quicker and better when I had that kind of coaching but I've also had trauma treatment from some trauma that I've had as a child and um, I've had all kinds of different, I've tried everything. Right. There's no wrong treatments or therapy. Sure, yeah. It's whatever works for you. I've had EMDR, I've had hypnosis, like you name it. Mm -hmm. I think I've tried everything. Um, have you tried ayahuasca? I have not tried <laughs> <laughs> Tell me well, about then it. then you haven't tried everything. I haven't tried everything. I feel like I have. It's a rain, you go to a rainforest and drink some tea and then poo on yourself and then you have a spiritual poo awakening. on yourself I don't <laughs> sounds really amazing if you read up on it it actually yeah. sounds pretty cool but the poo pooing the pooing part <laughs> is pretty <laughs> weird <laughs> hey i'm all about pooping yeah let's let's well, talk everybody about poop. poops i mean I, everybody poops. I uh so yeah i i i guess Maybe yeah. we're gonna run out of time, so I, I'm, and I'm, we've got to tell you need, that story. You need to slow down, though. This is going too fast. I know it is. My life's always moving too fast. I, <laughs> I'm just too, I'm just too pumped up all the time. Um, maybe walk me through. <laughs> maybe walk me through a uh, typical start to finish. Or does it ever end? And, and how does a relationship with you work? Are you done with the coaching or is it ongoing? That's a good question. Everybody's different. My goal working with my clients is that I sort of, for lack of a better word, I, I graduate them. 
Um, I think that there's always going to be things in life where you need that remind those reminders and to use those tools. But typically, what happens is I give them a program, and they've got this program for life. Mm-hmm. So whether it's the audios or it's the worksheets that they have, or even my lessons if they take notes during my lessons, and they've got that for life. But I my goal is that that we spend these 12 or 24 weeks together. Um, those are the two programs I have, and you move on now to a different way of thinking. And hopefully, like I said, you've got those tools for life. So you, whenever you are challenged or you're going through something that is really inhibiting you, mm-hmm. you, you pull that out and you remind yourself of the stuff that we've, we've worked on. That's my goal for my clients. But of course, I do have clients that just want to stay within the coaching process. They love having the accountability. They love the challenges. They love the conversation. Mm-hmm. I've had three clients like that right. that have spent over nine months with me. Nice. Well, yeah, but others are 12 weeks and, th- and then they're good. Like they move on and I don't, you know, I try to keep in touch with clients here and there and we send, I send Christmas cards and stuff, but um, I really want them to feel, it's kind of like a parent, right? You teach your children to fish and then when they grow up, they know how to fish. Mm-hmm. It's that's how I see it a little bit as a coach. I go, I want you guys to learn this, but then you're on your own and you've got this. Right. You're going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay, but now you've got these incredibly powerful tools and you just need to implement them in your in your day-to-day life. That's it. Right. So. Well, I might, we'll, we might talk. Done, sure. done and but, done. Uh, I'm going to kick your butt. Are you going to make me like pumped up, like jacked up? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. We're gonna press uh, fast forward for you. We're gonna go. Wah, oh, rah, right. rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm it can kidding. be done. No, no, no. We uh, no. When, next time we'll we'll talk later. But uh, so and I know before we started because we only have a few minutes left. But you wanted to share like a really I've got cool a great story. story. So mm-hmm. we'll end with that. But thank you so much for being on. It was awesome. This was and a real pl- privilege for me to to share again with someone else you know a different avenue different you have different listeners it's just i feel always incredibly blessed no i do think there are listeners but that's the one difference between this podcast and most matter doesn't matter there might be one person listening to this that is going to it's going to impact them tremendously right and that's always how i see this there's always something there's a gift in this so Mm -hmm. thank you for inviting me to to be on this thanks for doing it but the story that I do want to share with everybody is really incredible as a Canadian. So um, if you remember our story back in Salt Lake, there were the day that we skated our long program, we were second. And then six days later, we were awarded a cold gold medal with the Russians. And in those six days, there was a group out of Calgary that um, just thought that it wasn't really okay that, that we had a silver medal. So they were took it amongst themselves to collect gold acro- from people across Canada to make us gold medals. And what's so incredible about this is the lack of social media that they had back in 2002. That was the first internet games, I believe. Hmm. So they would have really only found a way to advertise through radio and paper. Right. Right? And so they collected enough gold to make David and I like these two solid gold medals. They're absolutely stunning. I'm gonna show it to you when we're done. Um, I wish I could show it right now to you, um, everybody to see it, but it's there. Um, the front of it basically has a picture of Dave and I skating. Um, it's like a 
basically the outline of us. And then the back is bilingual, a, a bilingual message about us as Canadian athletes. And so it was presented to us at our homecoming show about a month after the Olympics. And these people drove from Calgary to Edmonton and presented during the intermission. And I remember standing there because I didn't understand what this presentation was all about at the time. Right. I didn't know what they had for us. And you have to remember, like, after the Olympics, it was just like a whirlwind. So there was always something yeah, coming in. Yeah, you were in. on Leno twice and, like... But there was always something coming in, like some a gift oh, sure, or, yeah. like people want to give you this and people want to do this for you. And it was super amazing. Like we felt so much love and, 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 um, how weird was it to be that famous? I know it was really bizarre because it, we were just two like really low key Canadians, but, uh, after the Olympics, it was not so, but anyway, it was really special. So they're standing there and they, and they opened the box and it's these gold medals and we're like, like it just took my breath away. I just said, Holy, you know right crap. you can swear on this yeah holy shit like i literally said it out loud there too and i went this is i i've never seen anybody do this i've never seen any other country i've never heard of this mm-hmm. the citizens of canada made us gold medals so i i tell i want that story out even more because people don't know about it and and maybe it was forgotten we did talk about it but i i'm so incredibly grateful even more grateful for that medal Obviously, having the other one is important and special, but this one is way more sentimental to David and I because it's our from our country. And and whether you don't you you gave your gold or not, it doesn't matter. But it's the fact that this is how we are as Canadians. This is how mm-hmm. we think. We're very quietly patriotic. And I just felt like I've again, I've the Americans would never do this. Right. Like we all know that. And to think of the love that was built up back here at home and the support that is like it doesn't get any better than that Mm -hmm. it doesn't get any deeper it doesn't get any more powerful like so i really want this story every time i do an interview now i try to tell this story again because it's 18 years later and it's just i'm so proud to be canadian i'm really proud to be canadian i love our country i love our people Mm -hmm. me too so thank you nice well olympic champion jamie soleil motivational coach We'll see. In like six months, I'm just going to be like jacked up. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be like a comedian in Edmonton. You're going to be you're going to be a comedian internationally. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm going to challenge you. You might not want to work with me. I'm going to push you beyond the limits you've ever pushed yourself to before. Perfect. Are you willing? We'll see what would happen. Yeah, sometimes. Let's go. <laughs> sometimes work through that yeah yeah (laughs) all right thank you so much that was awesome thanks